this is Todd Adams. <laughs> this is Kathy Adams. Welcome to Zen Parenting Radio, sponsored by Avid and Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Yes. Um, I'm going to let you lead. Okay. Because I don't want to get in trouble. You're not going to get in trouble, but sometimes you're just very matter-of-fact about things, and this is too touchy to be matter-of-fact. So please start. So, of course, um, you guys know that there was a, um, a tragedy last week in Colorado, and Todd and I are not at all going to get into specifics because you know what it was about. Um, but obviously a trauma like that um, for the people who knew the people who um, were, were shot or knew the families or were from that town or had some connection... Um, it's very traumatizing. And for children who don't know anybody but watched the news, um, that's traumatizing, sure. even if they don't know anybody. And what I thought would be important for us to talk about today was how to support children when they are traumatized. And what we have to understand is this is a pretty grand-scale trauma, um, but... A child can be traumatized by many things, right. um, issues in their family, uh, divorce, any kind of abuse. Um, an older child could be traumatized by failing a class mm-hmm. or by um, seeing vi- something violent in the school. Or there, I guess my point is, is there's no tra- trauma is relative, mm-hmm. and that a lot of people say, well, they shouldn't feel traumatized, or why are they having issues? It wasn't that bad. And the thing is, is everything in life is relative, and pain is pain. Right. And that we can't compare pain, and we can't say, well, they shouldn't feel this way, or it shouldn't be this way, because if a child is feeling traumatized, um, can I use that word again? It sounds like ten times. Sure. But if a, you know, then we have to meet them where they are. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. So, um, how do we? You were going to maybe talk about an example about a friend of yours who's going through. Well, something? like I have, I have a really uh, good girlfriend who has gone through a divorce, and her child um has been it it happened a while ago but her child has been struggling with it and and it's not that she she thought that he shouldn't be anymore but it keeps coming up he keeps you know bringing it up and the the issue around that is is that i want to say to parents when your child has been traumatized in any way expect that expect that when they have had um something that has caused them pain that there will be waves of grief and that initially there can be, sometimes kids don't feel it at all initially, which they numb out. They numb out. It's too shocking. Right. You know, they can't even take it in. And as they start to take it in, um, they will have a a flow of, you know, grieve. Mm -hmm. And then some time may go by and then all of a sudden they'll be grieving again. Right. And it may show up in different ways. Like think about how kids, Different so how do you know grief. when, um, as a parent, how do you know when your kids are done dealing with something like that? I think the way I look at it is that there can be a quote-unquote done with an, an initial wave of grief, meaning they kind of accept. You know, it's kind of like the stages, the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross stages. And I don't have them in front of me. do remember? I don't have them in front of Denial, acceptance, yeah, it's anger, anger sadness. Um, yeah, and... Uh, I, I can't remember them all off the top of my head. I got to be honest, but there right. are stages of grief, right? And once they go through that process, and there is acceptance, because mm-hmm. that is the end, they may get through an initial stage. But it can be triggered. Their grief can be triggered again by mm-hmm. any kind of thing. Like for someone, let's let's talk about a, a child. Do you remember when we? That's my necklace. Do you hear my necklace yeah, making all those clicky sounds? I got um, this new necklace for my birthday. Did you notice? Yeah, you got it for yourself. I bought it for myself. I can't get it off. 
You want me to help you? Help me get it off. Okay, there. I got it. Um, so do you remember when we, Todd and I went to school together, we went to Drake University and while we were there, Bulldogs, Bulldogs, um, DU, did anyone call it DU? No. My friend Amy called it DU. That's about it. Okay. Um, so there was, I think it was my sophomore year or junior year, there was a shooting at Drake Diner. Yes, I remember that. Do you remember that? It was a gang related shooting. Yep. And it was my senior year because I was student teaching Mm -hmm. because one of the children who was in Drake Diner was in my classroom. Wow. Okay. Um, and so basically what happened is a man, two men came in and shot up the diner and killed a few people mm-hmm. and kind of had everyone get on the ground and, um, the oh whole my, scary, it was awful. Sounds like a TV episode. It was around Thanksgiving cause I drove home and there was tape all around Drake Diner. Right. And I was like, what's going on? And that was a place we always went, yeah. you know, as students. It's a good hangover breakfast place. It sure was. Um, chocolate shakes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, there was... So so something like that happens to someone, like the child who was in my classroom who didn't come back to school for another week. He, his whole life, may be triggered by any event that is similar to that. Right. Meaning he may have an experience where, you know, he may not... It may not be a part of his daily experience and then there'll be another shooting somewhere else and he may have another grieving episode because it brings that back up. That can also be referred to as post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD. They used to call that shell shock. They did because they only related it to uh, military. Yeah, guys in war. But we know that PTSD can happen to anybody. Well, let me ask you a question about... um we already started talking about the Colorado thing. I saw something on Facebook where the dad said, it's sad that I have to teach my son what to do in a movie theater in case something like this happens. And my initial take on that was, I don't really think you have to do that. I don't either. And and the reason I say that is because it is, I think more damage can be done. When when I say damage, I mean you are inducing fear into this child. I think, um, is it possible that something like this might happen again? Yes. Um, is it likely? Absolutely not. And I think we can do something different than saying, hey, if anybody is in a theater shooting, this is what you do. Because I think that that uh, creates fear. And I think you could maybe speak about it more generally saying, you know, if you ever find yourself in a situation where, you know, there's violence happening, get the hell out of there. Or Instead here's of, exits. Or, do you know where the exits are? Of, do you know who you'd call? Right. There can be things that are on a level of safety that you teach your children. And you don't have to get specific about, okay, if anybody walks into a movie theater, this is what you do. You more speak about it generally. If you find yourself in a situation where there's any where form of unsafe. Bio, unsafe, this is what you do. Right. Because I can imagine some parents who are shocked by any type of news and say um, the only way that they know how to deal with it is by they're scared and they're they're put they're putting their fear so on they their put it on their kids so and justified fear like I get it but you know someone I did a presentation last week and one of the women in the presentation said something so profound that I agreed with so much we were talking about this was even before this um, shooting occurred um, we were talking about when there is a uh, a, tr- a tragedy, right. and parents will always kind of take that and think that that's something else they have to teach their kids, like a child's kidnapped or you know something like this happens. And the tr- reality, I know this is hard for parents to take in, but when a tra- when a tragedy at that level occurs, there is nothing you could have prepared for. Right. You couldn't of. It's not like if only the, this is going to be a silly analogy, but going onto the Titanic, we would have taught people better about how to be on a boat. Right. Like there are some things that just happen, right. and you couldn't have prepared for it. Right. 
and that we sure we can learn from it right. meaning we can but what we sometimes do is we go too far and we allow it to take over our life right. and what i envisioned the morning i heard about all this was oh my gosh we're going to have to go through metal detectors to get into the movie theater mm-hmm. now and how it keeps taking away our sense our sense of safety right. and a lot of people will say we'll see the world's going to hell and i would still reflect back mm-hmm. There are movies playing everywhere right. all the right time. Right now where nothing's happening. Where nothing is happening. Right. And it's just like the one plane crash, crash a year. Yeah. Or the, and we've got, and this is the thing you guys, I want to make sure everybody understands. I don't have my head in the sand. I am not saying, oh, this would never happen to us. I am aware of the world I live in. But what are you going to focus on? Where well, are you going to put your attention? Well, and you wrote a blog, which I thought was really good, and it happened to be a really short one, but... Uh, what was the title of it? Do you remember? It was. I called it. I was kind of angry when I wrote it, meaning frustrated about this thing. I called it "For the Love of Humanity, Please Like Yourself." Okay, so get on ChicagoNow.com if you want to read it. But what you have I, to get on ChicagoNow.com and then just type in the self-aware parent, and it'll come up. The part that I thought was profound because it was a really good blog. Thank you. You said, um, "I know what happened in Colorado. I know people got killed." And that's really all I need to know. Yeah, I haven't read anything. And and I would guess that there is a good majority of the population that is enveloping themselves with the details Mm -hmm. of this tragedy. Mm -hmm. And I guess, um, and I'm a a little bit, uh, I I don't have the... um, the need to not know anything. Like you really don't know much about anything. anything. You don't know this Mm -hmm. kid's name. You don't know Mm -hmm. any of that stuff. I don't. And I've been listening to, you know, national news once a day. And I, but I think a lot of people, when something like this happens, it's like a car crash Mm -hmm. and they They have to look, have to look and just really get as much of the details Mm -hmm. as possible. And I guess my question to those people is, how much good really comes of that? Mm-hmm. I think that this is like that car crash thing where you have to look, but you don't have to. Well, I think it gives people a sense of safety to think that if they watch it and understand this person, that they will somehow be able to detach and say, well, that's this kind of person, and we don't know people like that, or people like that don't live in our town, or they want a sense of security about that this person was different or had mental illness or something that they can, and I don't even know what the story is, so I can't even speak to it, but I think people want that sense of this couldn't happen here. Right. And the thing is, is, is you know, it's, it's a shot. It's not something that would normally happen ever. Um, but there's this feeling that if we watch it enough that we somehow can get our arms around it. And Mm -hmm. I just don't think it's something you can ever get your arms around. I don't think you can ever find that place in your brain that'll make it make sense. So that's why you're trying to make sense of of something that's unsensical. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, it's not something that you can say, Oh, now I get it. You know, it just, it, it doesn't make sense. And the reason I wrote the blog is because what it really comes down to is what you and I talk about on the show is that a person who hurts other people in such a way, they obviously don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean they don't know their purpose. I don't mean like in a job way. I mean they literally don't know that they're connected to the whole. Right. They don't have any sense of self-worth, and they don't like themselves. Mm-hmm. And and so a person who would come in and harm people, those are all, those, without even reading any news, I know that to be true. Right. This person had no to. sense of worth. Right. Why? And I'm not really yeah. asking for you to Some, answer, but that's what makes me mad is the, as parents, what are we, 
why do we think the most important thing is for our children to either do what we didn't do or get the right grades or be successful or to look nice. We focus on the wrong things or this person, I don't know the story, but maybe it was an abused person. Maybe it was the other extreme where everything was taken out on him. I don't know. But if we could just grasp the concept that our job as parents is to help our children know who they are, meaning that they are part of a bigger, beautiful picture of the world and that they are is supposed to be here and that they are worthy because they're here. Right. There's for, no, for no other reason. No other reason. They came to the world, so they are worthy, and that the person that they need to love the most is themselves. Right. And people will say, oh, they'll roll their eyes at that. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. That is all. That if you got that... Everything else is cake. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you can roll with anything. If you have a sense of trust of yourself and who you are and that you are worthy, nothing else. Well, like you always say, it's um, it's not easy, but it's simple. Exactly. And, and I do say that because in our society, these are very difficult things to do because people say, oh, yes, I agree. And then the next day their kid comes home with a B mm-hmm. and they say, oh, but why didn't you get an A? Mm-hmm. And we, 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 we talk the talk, but we don't walk the walk. Well, and I don't know how much this is going to fit into what we're talking about, but I was just having a conversation with my cousin, Eric, mm-hmm. who actually just left, and um, we were talking about parenting and parenting styles, and I said to him, and I don't know if you overheard this or not, but I said, if if we're going to do one thing right for our three daughters, like we don't technically have a mission statement for our kids, but I think through our behavior and our interactions with them, it comes down to this, we are going to do our damnedest to raise emotionally intelligent, healthy, mm-hmm. healthy mm-hmm. people. And that might come at the expense of grades, right. sports. Right. Um, Our need to look a certain way. Yeah. how Because people may not agree with how us. How we're perceived, right, exactly. whatever. So, um, and, and it's funny. I guess I, I would challenge other parents because, like I said, we we haven't technically written down our parental mission statement. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's a it'd be a fun conversation to have with your spouse if you have a spouse or just in, in your own internal dialogue. Because Eric's response was, "If I could have anything, it would be for my kids to leave the world in a little bit better place yeah. than they got it right. in their world, right. not like the world, not right. like they have control over the whole world, but in your little." world do more because good. your little world affects the right. world Connects to the and whole. that's what i mean about the oneness you know the connection your world people don't understand that if you are happy and i'm speaking to you parents if you feel good that is what affects the world if you walk around with a chip on your shoulder and you're angry and you think that everyone owes you that's what you're giving the world mm. and you've got to take responsibility for that and how that you know trickles down to your children and how that's you're thinking everyone owes you no no you owe yourself mm-hmm. first to love yourself and then that's what you offer the world you don't have to be famous mm-hmm. you don't have to create the next rocket ship right just be heart-centered and figure out what your strengths are and what gifts you were given and have joy yeah and we talked about this we talk about i talk about that i am documentary all the time right and how the filmmaker did certain things that was in his wheelhouse and he made a documentary he's basically shed a lot of his materialistic goods mm-hmm. his name's tom shady and, and materialistic need it you know wasn't just about the stuff it was about that he realized he didn't really need it well he had like yeah. a six thousand square foot house in yeah. Beverly hills and he sold that or he got right. rid of it and he took his own little uh you know not tiny house but he got a more normal house 
and he made this film that affected me and maybe through that and other people will listen and it'll affect them and but figure out what you're good at yeah and and encourage your kids or we need to encourage our kids to figure out what their strengths are and let them do what, what they love at. because then they'll be happy people yeah. and or content people. Mm-hmm. Remember in our other show, we talked about the difference between happy and content and happy is a feeling. Mm-hmm. Contentment is a state of being. Well, and the other challenging part is I have a friend whose kids are like really smart. They're all doctors. He's a, he's a little bit older than me. So his kids are a little bit older and they're all doctors. And my initial impression is like, God, you must've done such a great job with parenting. And I, I asked him, I'm like, how did you, what, how did you do, and all that, and he's like, say, oh, we just read to him, whatever, blah blah blah. But it's funny, I'm sure that they're, uh, they're fine kids, but I don't know who these kids are. You're assuming they're good. I'm kids assuming they're that, that they're successful because they're doctors. Right. This kid was in the PhD program. This Colorado kid. Right. I mean, it's funny. I'm just putting two and two together. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he was in some... He's a neuroscientist wow. thing. So oh it's funny. What is your definition of success? Yeah. Is it uh, to raise kids who have um, letters after their name, who make a lot of money? Because mm-hmm. that may not mean that they're that successful. It's my definition of success for our daughters is to be emotionally healthy. Yeah, and you know what? I actually want to talk about um, just a couple minutes about my niece's party after we speak to... Let's let's make that transition over to our partners. Because Avid's having a special? Avid is having their <laughs> late July special. Tell them Zen Parenting... It's a special special. Yeah, why? I don't know. I just oh, like to okay. say that special. So that's it's an especially special special. Six three zero nine five six eighteen hundred. Avid Company. Avidco.net. Painting and remodeling, and rehabbing all over the Chicagoland area. They're Give rock. them a call. Help us by calling them. And Dr. Kelly, Tree of Life. She's fixing my knee. And she's fi- she helped me with my back last week. I ca- I woke up all crunked, crinked up. Crunked? You're making words up. <laughs> I know. I and used to think that crinked was a made-up word, and you found it in a dictionary. Did I really? Yeah. Many years ago. Or maybe it was crumpled. Crumpled. Yeah. Crumpled's totally not a made-up word. Crumpled, crumpled is like you take a piece of paper and you crumple so it up. So if we get Webster's Dictionary, crumpled will oh, be Oh, for in sure. It. What about crink? Crink is a word I say. I don't know if it's really real. It's just I feel I get crink in my neck or my back. And anyway, it was just nice because I went and she crinked it out. Well, my knee is in bad shape and I went to her on Saturday. It's falling apart. <laughs> one, one limb at a time. Physically. And um, I'm going to go back there tomorrow morning. And she's like, because we need to work on it again so we didn't, don't lose what we worked on. Awesome. So it's not about a bad back. She... She heals everything. All pieces of your body. Even though she'd get mad at me for saying that she heals it because yeah. we actually do the work. We do the work. Our bodies do the work. That's Our right. bodies do the work. What she does is she assists the body getting back in its optimal blueprint. Treeoflife.com. Look them up. So the story I was going to tell was I'm going to be very general because this is more, you know, I don't know if she really wants me to talk too deep about it. But one thing that um, that we did this weekend was my, um, my niece turned 16 and um, one thing that I knew I wanted to do like a year ago is when she turned 16, I wanted to have a women's party for her right. so she could be surrounded by women who loved her mm-hmm. and that she could have some, she could have learn from our experiences and also so we could show her the beauty of being a woman. Right. I think sometimes as girls grow up, they start to lose that understanding of how, you know, because of experiences they go through with friends and, you know, some negativity that can occur, not always, but can occur in the teenage years to like show them the strength of women and right. that you really can bond together. And so we had this really wonderful party and um, everybody shared some really nice, meaningful things and about how much she's loved and how we 
honor her. Mm-hmm. And those are the kind of things that I know that can be really sen- sound sentimental and people can roll their eyes and say, oh gosh, you know, I don't know if I could do it. But when, then when are we going to do it? When do we do it? Yeah, because, and, and I wasn't there because I was invited. invited. No, no boys. No boys allowed. But I, even though I wasn't there, I just knew how powerful and strong and how, I, I'm, I can't speak for her, mm-hmm. but I'm guessing that yesterday will be a long lasting effect mm-hmm. on her. And mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, now you're done, but you no, need to take. No, it goes on, but we to, had to set that stage. And you set a stage and she was surrounded by loved ones, family, friends, and everybody came together and imparted their wisdom. And just the fact that, like, this is one of those things. Like, if you don't just take time to do stuff like this, they're like 20, and you're like, oh, what happened to my 16-year-old? Exactly. Or they say things like, this is what I always get frustrated at. The people who talk about their children, they'll be like, my kids know that I love them. My kids know I respect them. Right. Do they? Yeah. Because, you know, you might say the words, but sometimes the actions and the words don't go together. Sometimes you're so unconscious that you're saying other things, but then saying, they know I respect them, when really you're never listening to them. And, and, and again, we all do that sometimes. Sometimes we say things flippantly or whatever. You don't need to beat yourself up over every word. But our, you know, I think we just take things for granted. Like my kid knows I love them. Okay, they may on the very basic level. You, you take care of them. But do they know that you respect them? Well, do they know that you hear them and, and know who they are and see them? Out of respect for the late Stephen Covey. And yeah, he, one of our favorites. One of our favorites. Um, he taught me a lot. And one of the things in his books was that love is a verb. Love is a verb. Love is not a feeling that you can say, oh, my kids know I love them. You you give examples of love. And one example of love that you gave to our niece was throwing a party, telling her how awesome it is to be a woman. Right. And, my and guess- how awesome she is. Right. And what amazing woman she is becoming. Right. Is that sometimes you notice that and you say it to other people. Yeah. You'll say, oh, my daughter. But you, don't, become, tell but you it, don't tell it to, it the, to the person. person. And because you just think they know or it's so, Todd, it's so intimate. Mm-hmm. And I think we're so uncomfortable with intimacy. Why is that? Because it, this is gonna sound dumb. Because it's intimate. Because it's vulnerable. Vulnerable. Because That's it it it's, um, it it puts us out there. Right. And if we it be people feel it as a weakness because they know they can be harmed by it. Even with our own children, sometimes there's that sense of I'm not gonna go there. Like sometimes you have that feeling. I had this today with Scott. I was looking at her. She was saying something so cute, and I love her so much that I have to like stop looking. Mm-hmm. It, does that sound funny? A little bit. Because it's so, I love her so mm-hmm. much. And if something ever happened, you know, you can go to that place. Right. And so we kind of back away from that intense intimacy. And when I have that moment, it really makes me want to draw in closer mm-hmm. because I'm like, that's the vulnerability is when you love deeply, right. there's more to lose. And and to, to say how much you love, there's more at stake. Well, and it's funny because I, I would just think that something like this would come so much more naturally to a group of women than a group of men. Yeah. But you're saying it's still hard for a group of women to do such a thing. Well, sure. I And I think it's maybe easier more kind of in our wheelhouse, as you would say, meaning we kind of tend to be, generally speaking, more in that world of emotion and we do speak of emotions more but a lot of times we can do it like I said so we can say to someone else oh I love my children they're the most important to me but when we're eye to eye with our child we have a difficult time saying you're the most important thing so it's like we can't 
there's like a piece that is sometimes missing. Not for everybody. Right. I mean, there are plenty of people who, like us, can be very intimate with their children and 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 have tears and say how much you care about them and talk about deep things. There's plenty of people out there. I think a lot of people who listen to the show who can mm-hmm. do that. Um, but there are many that it's just maybe it was never done for them. Right. So and they so it's foreign. So to it's them. foreign, or they think they don't need to. Like, I'll you bet know. you a lot of other cultures got this figured out better than we do. Do you think so? I don't know. I just feel like we go, uh, and ourselves included, we go through the motions and you don't take time. Like, I, I don't know why I'm thinking this, but I'll bet you that there's some tribes in Africa or Native Americans 300 years ago. You know, I think Native, um, boys used to go through something called a vision quest. Mm, cool. When they were going from example. little boy to man, and mm-hmm. they would send this kid out and he'd go figure out what it means to be a man and I don't like I don't know if they would challenge that him with doing something yeah how does that translate to today I I just feel like do we do stuff like that well and and something that's important to you and I is to create that Mm -hmm. is that it may as a culture not be typical but that doesn't mean it won't be typical in my family and it and the thing that's important to know is I don't it's not like like my mom asked me she said uh, she put her arm around me she had a great time and she said now where did you get this idea and and I said I came up with this idea. Now when I say that, I don't mean it like out of the blue. Many different things came into my world in the last five years, ten years, where I realized the importance of it. Right. And I took pieces of a lot of people's things that they had created and created my own thing. Right. I didn't say I'm going to do a party like this, call it this, do it this way. I did what felt comfortable to me, right. called it what I wanted to call it. But a lot of it was when I started learning about you know teenagers growing up. You know, a lot of the things I've been already teaching right. and realized what they need is a sense of stability and worth. And so I wonder that because I'm not going to divulge any of the details, but there was a, a time when you guys all kind of got kind of deep together, right? Yes, um, yes, yeah, yeah at the party. Yeah, we all cried right. a lot. And I just wonder. I never saw that Sweet Sixteen show on MTV. Right. But I'm guessing that didn't happen. Good. Those. That's such a funny thing. The MTV show, because the Sweet 16 party, the Sweet 16 show, which actually I never saw. So I'm kind of speaking. I think out I turn. saw a part of one, and I couldn't. I wanted to choke everybody on it but i read about it in entertainment weekly and just basically it was about who had the biggest sweet 16 party right, right? and like there's cars and being delivered de- and uh, celebrities yeah celebrities show showing up and that you know they would be like kind of spoiled brats i think if you had to put me in a dungeon and said that todd you're going to suffer for the next three years by watching tv it would be 24 hours a day seven days a week of that show yeah and toddlers and tiaras yeah it's hard to watch especially for you being the dad of three daughters Stick my eyes with a knife i don't want to do i'd that. rather do that okay then watch that those stupid shows yes well it's hard to see people who are so you know this is one of the fears of um our generation raising kids is raising entitled children mm-hmm. And a lot of parents don't want to do it and they're afraid of it, but they don't, they still do things to like, you know, raise entitled children. And that's by not wanting them to feel pain Mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. So they kind of hover over them. That's called helicopter parenting where you, you know, you, you're so afraid of your child having any kind of failure Mm -hmm. that you don't allow it to happen. So they don't learn anything. Because if they fail, then we fail. Well, that's, or we can't tolerate sitting in the pain of our child's pain. We can't detach from the fact that the pain for them, and when I'm talking pain, I'm not talking about huge things. I'm talking about failing or getting a bad grade. Or if they forget their backpack and they call, say, sorry, 
you forgot your backpack and right. you have to deal with the consequences of that. Right. And, you know, again, I wouldn't suggest that for a kindergartner, but a seventh grader, yeah. yeah. They have to learn, they got to learn what that means. Learn by failing. And, um, you know, stuff like that, we just hover around them so they don't feel anything negative and we think we're helping them, but actually we're hindering them. Right. So that's where a lot of entitlement comes from. We give them everything they <sighs> I have they a few need. items on my okay, list for turn in, turn them in a bad. Uh-oh, back I do to that, turn them in a bad. Um, you have some presentations coming up. Well, well, actually, I do, but what I wanted to say was not so much about plug the presentations. I do have one in August, the last one, the Mind, Body, Spirit one, but I'll plug that later. If you want me to give a presentation and you live in the Chicagoland area, my fall is filling up. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that just because if you are if you have a group or an organization or a school or something and you want a presentation about anything that we talk about on Zen Parenting Radio, please go on my website, kathycadams.com, because I only have limit. I only have a certain amount of days I can do. Sure. So um, kathycadams.com and then buy my books. Self-aware parent, Self-aware parent, part one, part two, buy both for 20 bucks. 20 books. Um, and my tournament of bad, um, first thing is more of a story. Okay. We were talking and you asked me what color hair that woman had. And I said orange and you started laughing. No, that is not the way the story went. How long do I have? You, we were at a restaurant and you asked where a waitress was. Oh, she had orange and hair. And the guy said, what colored hair does she have? Oh, it was a woman. What colored hair does she have? And you go, she had orange hair. And I, and I looked that at that you and I was like. that was a very accurate description. And I, and when What the, color hair did she have? She had like orange. red hair. No, she had orange but hair. But you don't say that a woman has orange orange hair guys um ladies help me out there's nothing wrong with saying a woman's hair is orange i if i would never and i'm sure many redheads out there if you describe them as having orange hair or a woman who's blonde who like has some kind of highlighter orange is not a color people want orange it's (laughs) she had orange hair (laughs) um and then my other tournament bad thing is i was at a bar by wrigley field because my friend jim uh took me to a cubs game and it's like a regular sports bar. And I went in the bathroom to go pee because I was drinking beer. Uh-huh. And they had one of those guys manning the sink. And uh-huh. he would give you a towel and he had a bunch of and gum on there. And he wanted a tip. I don't, why, do bear, why do bars do that? Because that Nobody person likes wants a it. job. That no, person needs not, to make a living. But that person could be a bar back. What, what's why? with the person at the sink giving you gums and handing you a napkin? Okay, I'm not going to agree with that tournament of bad because they, are, they have a job. No, I'm not mad at the guy. I'm mad at the, the people who, hire, people the who hire the guy. Okay. Nobody likes it. All right. Well, maybe somebody does. Maybe someone needed a mint. If anybody likes it, text me. You know what? 773. Uh, stop. Have a good week, everybody. Adios. We'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.